0: Greetings, I'm Shaylin. I edit in the finest hour. Due to some technical issues, Shaw's voice is not terribly great this episode. Just as a warning to our listeners, we are rectifying the problem permanently. Please enjoy the episode.
1: about an hour. I am
2: your host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me on the left, the good podcast host, Jaylin Allen. Yoeth. And on the right, our evil podcast host, Joshua Dapp,
3: And the yoeth has spread. Ah,
2: I hope I don't get infected.
0: You this. already have been.
2: Have I? I'm denying it now. I think I got it. <laughs> So, something I wanted to throw out to you guys, because we've seen a lot of it recently, and I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on it are. All of these weird, new, little mini codexes. Uh, because we've seen a whole lot of them recently, and I'm honestly not sure what to think. It sounds like Josh has an opinion on things. Oh, yeah,
3: I do. There's two directions for me with this, and the more prominent one is, I have sour taste in my mouth for him, and... A lot of it, for me, is probably bias from prior editions. Okay, yeah. Anyone has played some of the older editions, they come out with rules and rules and rules. A little added rule here, a little added tidbit here, and it makes it for the competitive side of the game. To go to a tournament, it's not even having to have one of the 20-plus codexes that are out there, but now you've got the 20 codexes, and you've got now the chapter approves, now you got the FAQs, and oh, wait. Now we've got these mini codexes and, and it's not even I'm not even just fighting an Imperial Army anymore. For me to be ready to fight against so and so's Imperial Army, I've gotta have what, twenty plus reference material, the pieces of reference material to make sure that I'm able to follow along what's going on and I feel like what it what it creates is it creates a lot more of those gotcha moments, you know, because you didn't know everything. Sure. Inherently in my opinion, gotcha moments I don't like them. I, I feel like a lot of those are, it, it leaves your opponent feeling shitty. Yeah. And and I feel like the more and more we get these little mini codexes, like that Crimson Fist one, like the little stuff that came off the Crimson Fist, like I haven't even fully really dug into that yet, and I'm just waiting for the day. I'm going to be in a tournament, and someone's going to be like, oh, but I got this from my Crimson Fist detachment thing, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> And all of a sudden, I just completely get bent over because I didn't realize this was even a damn thing. For <laughs> sure. And, and and I feel like there's a lot of potential for that the more and more and more of these they print. So I'm already predisposed to it because I've seen a lot of this in the past. Anyone that's played prior editions, they've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys, I'm sure, have seen it. You know what I'm talking about. It's not a feel-good moment when you,
2: even if you do, are using it to your advantage. It's like, oh, but you forgot about my plus two to hit against guys with left-handed swirls.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, great, yeah, of course I should have known about that. Yeah, totally should have known. Oops. Yeah, no,
0: and, like, I play Grey Knights, which is an obscure codex, and I already gotcha people enough with Grey Knights, which is already in the book at the start of 8th edition.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: My quick opinion is, not only is there the bloat, but I understand it's like, okay, they want you to be able to play with the pretty models they made for their side games. That's the intention there, I get it, but you should just say those are for open play.
2: That could be a way to handle it. They've already done some of that with, like, the Land Raider, you know, build your own Land Raider thing. It's like, that's explicitly only for open play, despite what a handful of people in (laughs) LBO think. Yeah, that 170-point Land Raider is pretty good.
0: Um, When it's in the Grey Knights detachment, I suppose.
2: Yeah, they clearly are taking these sort of, like, models they're releasing for other games and making them usable. I think, to their credit, what they have done with this is most of them have been, well, we'll just say it, bad. Mm-hmm. Um anyone who's glanced over the Illicidian Star or the Yellowpox infection, they're terrible. Right? <laughs> they're so bad. Like So bad. You could technically build a detachment out of them, but I don't know why you ever would. Um obviously the assassins are more relevant. Um, but assassins were already part of the game. I'm assuming that is a prelude to some sort of Imperial Agents
3: book as a whole. Here's a prime example of mm. uh, uh one of my teammates actually was just down at he was out at this Cagbash, and one of his opponents... Mm-hmm. God, what was the name of the man- the The Manipulous. That was it. The new admec guy. And he comes in the Blackstone Fortress stuff. And he's this little 90-point dude, and he's kind of meh, except he has this one little rule ability that at the start of his turn, he gets to pick, and all admec units within, like, six inches of him get to add six inches to the maximum range of all their guns. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, this this guy's got like a, a nine or ten cataphron destroyer unit with all the plasma, mm. and so he does his deployment, he does his movement, and he always you know, makes sure he's out, he's out of range. But then all of a sudden, his turn rolls around. He's like, "Oh, look, all these plasmas are in range." When he he was under the impression, no, no, they're not in range, and he's like, "Oh no, I got this little rule right here it says they get to add six inches. They're all in range now." That's that's exactly what that was. It's was like, oh, well, because I didn't realize that there was a AdMech model that came out in a box game that's really not even... I mean, it's 40k in story, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And because you have rules for it and you can use it in a 40k game, I completely just got caught in my pants down. And it was a really shitty game for him.
0: Yeah. yeah and that's why, I, going back to the playing by attention thing, where I say my intention is to be out of range... Like, his opponent should have said, hey, I've got this ability, but...
2: If he said, I am deploying out of range of your guys, and your opponent said, yep, you are, then that would be on his opponent. If he measured it and didn't say anything about what he was doing, I kind of feel like that's on him.
4: Because,
2: Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Even if that unit had been in the Codex, that exact same situation could have come up. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I have a certain amount of uh, sympathy for people who can't keep up with all the releases. There are a lot of them, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, like there is a certain duty of you to understand what your opponent is doing. And if you don't know what a unit is, you see
3: a tech priest manipulator in your opponent's list, and you're like, oh, I'm sure that doesn't have any rules that I care about,
4: right? <laughs> and that's your fault.
3: You you have a duty to ask. Ben Cromwell a number of years ago taught me a insanely valuable lesson.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, it was a number of years ago. And fight against his war convocation back in the day. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> which you sure remember they had lots of rules. Yeah, they did. There's one particular instance where I had asked him, what is their strength? Mm-hmm. And he told me. He said, their strength is four, or whatever. I was like, okay, sweet. So I we did our combat, and I all of a sudden to went up in combat with this, these units with the uh, Imperial Knight. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden... By the by, the time he's like, he had this ability and then this ability and this ability, he wound up strength nine. Yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 what? What? I thought you said they were strength four. He's like, they are strength four. And, he's, and I'm like, then how are they strength nine? He's like, so I can add all these abilities to make them strength nine, but that's not what you asked me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I looked at him and I was like, well, shit, dude. And he, he, he looked at me very clearly because he could see that I was like a little, you know, a little taken aback. And he's like, I'll tell you right now. I'll answer any question you ask me 100% truthfully and honestly no matter what question you ask. But I'm not going to give you the information you need to beat my army. So you just need to ask, ask the questions. And so ever since then, I tell all of my people that I've taught how to play and that want to learn how to get more competitive, ask questions. Ask all of the questions. Don't ask, what does that unit have? If what you're asking them is like, you know, example... The question you just made, Sean, about did that guy deploying out of range. So even then, if I say, hey, I'm deploying out of their range right now, his opponent technically could say, yes, currently you are. Yeah. You know, he could say, you're out, you know. And that's one of those times where the question I then ask is, hey, I'm deploying these guys, so there's no way they can shoot me next turn. Right.
4: hmm
2: Because, yeah, if you say, I'm deploying these guys, I don't think you can get into range. If he says, yeah, you should be out of their range, then you're cool. And I think the takeaway there is, ask the question you want to know the answer to. Don't try and be coy.
1: Yes, because
2: if you say, I don't think you can shoot me because I'm out of your range, and he says, sure, then you're good. And then if he tries to got you, then yeah.
3: Exactly.
0: What you're about saying is, be the blunt autistic person you are deep down
2: inside.
3: Yes, 100% yes. Yeah, because way too many people do, like
2: Josh said, they get really coy, it's like, do you have any strength three weapons? And what they're really asking, do you have anything that can hurt my knight? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if they are like, oh yeah, you know these guys are strength three, but they wound vehicles on a
3: two-up, it's like, okay, yeah, that was what I actually wanted to know. hmm But I didn't ask that because I was all trying to be coy about it. Ask the question that you're honestly wanting the answer to. Because, trust me when I say this, nine times out of ten... Your secret awesome uber tech strategy that you're going to try and pull on them? If they're a halfway decent player, they already know. Yep. Mm-hmm. If they're not, they probably can't take advantage of it anyways. And it's not going to matter. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, that was, that was definitely uh, something we had some strong feelings on.
0: I'm uh, amused I get to tell people to be more autistic.
2: <laughs> hey, you know what? It's not a bad thing.
3: Amen, sister.
2: So, let's talk about a subject that we have hit once before, but I think is really important that we come back around on again, which is tempo. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had one of our earlier episodes about tempo. Uh, It's one that we've gotten a lot of people enjoying. A lot of people thought it was really interesting, but I think there's a lot more to be talked about here. What I want to do this time is discuss tempo in a little bit more detail, kind of go into the specifics of what it is, as well as what it isn't, because... What I don't want is for tempo to be a placeholder word that means literally anything that you could think about in the game. (laughs) I want people to understand that tempo is a specific concept that is used in specific ways. Some things are tempo, some things are not, and being able to tell those apart is going to help you take advantage of them or avoid getting taken advantage of. Let's start at the most basic level here, because I know some of our listeners probably didn't hear our earlier episode. What is tempo?
0: So before we get too far into this, Tempo was episode number eight, and we will have a link in the show notes before you get too far. What Tempo is, is it's time.
2: Yeah, that's the the real easy answer. It's time, and we mean time in the sense of not your game clock, not the chess clock that you're tapping back and forth on, uh, but turns, Uh, because in ITC at least, it's a little bit different to other formats, there are six turns to Mm-hmm. You have six turns, you have exactly six turns, you never have more than that, and each of those turns you get one movement phase, one psychic phase, one shooting phase, and one assault phase,
0: which translates to if for example, you're playing the book missions, you have anywhere between five and seven movement phases,
2: sure, but it is still a very finite number it's less it's, than ten it's, it's less than ten, and it's presumably the same number your opponent has, yes um. The important thing there is, if you take six turns and your opponent takes five, you're probably gonna win that game. More time, more actions, because time is your, what you use to, you know, sort of budgetize your actions, wins games. Just Mm -hmm. hands down. For anyone who has ever hated playing Yanari list, it's not that anything in the Yanari list itself is particularly overwhelming, it's the fact that they get two turns to your one.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: tempo is a game-winner, just hands-down, because if you are able to do more things to your opponent, you basically have more army than your opponent does. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm getting to take two turns to your one, I basically am playing with 4,000 points.
3: Yes. I mean, it's just basic math at that point.
2: Yes. Uh, and and that's why I think fun- Tento is so fundamental to the game. Like Josh said, it's math. It's just, if I get to do more than you, I affect the game more than you, and guess what, I'm going to use that effect to make myself win, not make you win.
0: Yep, that is, that is at the core of what you're trying to do as a competitive player.
2: Exactly. So, the tempo is very, very fundamental to the game. But because it's so fundamental, there are a lot of different ways to gain it, and a lot of different ways to affect it. So, I think what we want to talk about here is the different ways that you can do that. The simplest way, and the one we've already kind of touched on a little bit here to start with, is by taking extra actions. I think it's a pretty easy jump for most people to make. Is like, oh, if actions are good and more actions are better, then the easiest way to make myself better is to take more actions.
0: Here's a, a small little side here. As a general rule of thumb, and this doesn't apply universally, the more expensive a stratagem is, the more effect the game designers felt it could have on the game. Sure. And the fight twice actions that are standard across the Imperium are all three CP for a reason.
2: They absolutely are
0: because um, fighting twice can mean destroying an Imperial Knight in one round of combat.
2: Yeah. In fact, I mean, we don't really need to go through an order, so why don't we start off with uh, the, all the fight twice strategies? Mm-hmm. Um, like Shaylin said, you know, they're almost all three CP, except in very rare cases.
3: Yeah, there are, there are a couple that are less, but yeah, for the most part, they're all three.
2: Yeah, and another thing to take note of there, not all factions get a fight twice or shoot twice strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes seems a little weird in who does get it, but in large part, it is a balance action, because to some factions, if they got to, you know, shoot twice, it would just be out of control. Anyone who's been on the, the receiving end of broadsides knows how devastating they can be. Can you imagine broadsides getting to shoot? Twice with old beetles and marker mites?
0: That no. would be adorably terrible to watch. Yeah, like, yeah. You'd see nothing but Tau at top 8 of LVO. Yeah.
3: Wait, 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 wait. Did you just use the word adorable to describe watching Broadside shoot twice?
0: Shaylen may or may not be playing Tau recently.
3: Oh, oh, okay.
2: Also, have you ever looked at the Broadside bottles? They are cute as a butt. Yeah,
0: I, I wanted guess. to cuddle them. <laughs>
2: those squat little guys, all their friends are flying around a thousand feet high and then these poor goofy little broadsides are waddling around and they're cute. They're like turtles.
3: And they call me the evil host.
0: (laughs) In addition to fighting twice, those stratagems also let you consolidate and pile in twice, which can be like 12 inches of movement. Not to mention tapping things and stopping combats from moving. Uh, and th- there's also things like the act of faith for the sisters that lets them fight twice. That's a five up for a reason, guys.
2: Yeah, you can use these in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you're using it to get extra damage in. A very obvious: if I do more damage more quickly than my opponent, then I'm gaining tempo mm-hmm. because they're not able to keep up with my actions. But they can also be used for the movement, as uh-huh. Shaylin said. Like just getting in contact with units can be really big, locking them in the combats.
0: Don Hoosen with his Black Lord Terminators, charging them just so they'll get up the field faster.
2: Yes. Actually, I think that is a good transition to movement is another mm-hmm. really big way to gain tempo. If you are able to move faster than your opponent and control where the game is happening, choose the ranges it's happening at, get on the objectives before the enemy can, that is a huge swing in tempo.
0: Played a very fast movement-based army most of 8th, and I can tell you right now, it was like, if my opponent tried to pin me in one place, I'd just jump away. Yep. That it, that can also be a huge effect on the game. It's like, you can't hold me down.
3: There's two abilities that just recently came out in the Vigilus book that uh, I have really been fixated on since LVO, uh, the Windrider host and the Ravenwing abilities. Oh, yes. It's mainly because of the timing, the fact that it's literally immediately after they swing in combat, before they consolidate, instead they just get a full move, and advance. Yeah. Yeah. And the sheer, massive value in that stratagem is just, I mean, I'm I'm still playing around with the possibilities that strat has. It's so amazingly good.
2: Yeah. We'll talk about those a little bit more in the bottom half of the episode. They also just both of those units are very fast. Getting to move another sixteen inches after you charge is huge.
0: Yeah. Also, while we're on the note of movement, fly keyword.
2: Fly keyword here because it allows you to bypass restrictions that other units have.
0: Things that are in the way are no longer in the way for you.
2: Yes. And that's an interesting one because you're not gaining tempo. You're avoiding a loss of tempo, which can be almost the same thing.
0: As we mentioned in the first episode, tempo is cumulative over the course of a game, so not losing tempo can be huge.
2: Yes, because typically you are losing tempo due to, oh, this unit can't move where I want it to, or I can't Mm -hmm. see the unit that I want to shoot, or things like that. Um, Avoiding those losses of tempo can be very valuable in itself, even though those things are not in and of themselves. tempo. Yeah. Another interesting thing, uh, and this is just something, like a little quirk I wanted to kind of bring up. There are double shoot and double fight stratagems in the game. Obviously, those are both fairly common. There are psychic powers that can do some of that as well. Mm-hmm. There are no double move stratagems.
0: There are a handful of abilities that kind of permit that, like the Swarmlord Cannon.
2: Sure, Swarmlord has it,
3: uh, burst, etc. So, there actually is a double move strat. Huh. Uh Tyranids, Metabolic Overdrive? Mmm, Oh, that's true, yeah. allows the entire unit to move again. The, the caveat being they're not allowed to sh- charge when they do it. Sure, mm-hmm. you're obviously giving something up there. Yes, uh, you, there is a trade-off. But that's a very powerful strategy for anyone who's seen it in action. Hugely, hugely powerful. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen people take control of the whole board on turn one with a big unit, of Formandons, or form Gargoyles with that. No, oh, that's interesting. I had forgotten about that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I think that is the only one, isn't it? At least the only one that gives you just a second movement in the movement phase. Josh already called out the Vigilist stratagem to give you another move afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tyranids actually have another double move stratagem in another phase, as they have the... Uh, overrun. Overrun that uh, after you uh, kill a unit in combat, you can use it to take another a full movement. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, also incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, For anyone who's seen that on Gene Stealers, it can just be game-changing right there. You can see that, like, movement is an incredibly key part of tempo, just because it allows you to do so many things and dictate where the game is happening.
0: The way I look at movement is, you have to get places to engage people, and yep. if you can control that and dominate your opponent there, you will get the places you need to be, and they may not be able to catch up. Yeah. That's what we just said there, basically.
2: Yeah, well, we'll and we'll talk about this more in the bottom half of the episode. but if, if you can't use your shooting or assault phases the way you want to, you may as well not have those phases. Uh, a lot of armies can't assault on turn one, which means they just give up their assault phase on that turn. Mm-hmm. If you're fast enough to start declaring assaults on the first turn of the game, you gain a lot of tempo over your opponent just out of that. Uh-huh. Um, the movement itself often does not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your movement phase very rarely destroys the enemy, but it dictates what the rest of your phases are capable of doing.
3: Yes. At the end of the day, one of the key facets that I try and drive home whenever you, pe- because people still message me, ask me about, you know, tempo, this and that. And I tell them the key thing to, f- to remind yourself, to remember and ask anytime you're like, hey, is this tempo relevant or whatever, is tempo is the ability to control when and where the engagement takes place. Exactly at the end of the day, that is the definition. Whatever you're doing doesn't relate to that thing, doesn't answer one of those two questions, then it is not tempo. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really simple. Movement phase is the foundation block for which all other phases are built. If you mess it up, you lose the game.
3: Yep,
4: exactly.
2: And and that's why almost every army that is relevant to the game plays heavily in the movement phase. Mm -hmm. Almost all competitive armies have lots of movement crits because you need them just to be on par with everyone
3: else. Exactly. Yes, that's in the movement phases. Isn't controlling as much? So you, like you were mentioning, you have those extra the extra actions and a lot of those double action and, and double shooting and double attacking. Which those ones, those ones are a huge motivation and huge play towards the when. Yeah. Part of that question, the movement though is probably the largest contributing factor to where
0: movement um. and charges.
3: And, yes, charges, obviously.
0: Anytime you move a model, that's aware.
2: So, the last one I wanted to, to talk about a little bit here, we've already mentioned a couple of times, is shooting. Shooting actually has one of the most interesting methods of, uh, of affecting tempo of anything. And that is specifically by uh, the efficiency.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: for example, if you have a unit of ten space marines and they all shoot at one guardsman, you've kind of given up the shooting of nine of your space marines. Wasting shooting on not killing things, on, or on over-killing things, can be absolutely huge. Um, we've talked about in the past the Castellan. If you spend your whole turn shooting with Castellan and don't kill it, and it just spends one CP to go back up to full efficiency for the turn,
4: mm-hmm. you've lost the turn. Mm-hmm.
2: That
3: is a massive swing against you in terms of tempo. Yeah, There's the other side of that exact coin, Sean, and that's Nurglings.
4: Mm, oh, yeah.
3: yes. Nurglings are probably one of the best examples for that exact concept because I don't know how many times over even just this past year where I see people, they'll dedicate, they're like, all right, I'm going to shoot these into those Nurglings and I'm going to shoot these over there at that unit or whatever. And they're shooting at the Nurglings because they're toughness to crap Nurglings are expecting them to be dead. Yep. And they're surprisingly a little more resilient than most people give them credit for and they end up surviving. Oh, yeah. And that exactly, you watch it in their face. They're like, oh, shit, that unit didn't die. Yeah. I really kind of needed that unit to die right there. And and you have already messing with their tempo.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: It's something you see a
2: ton with Nerdlings, I'm sure
3: Josh has seen it a million
2: times. You put some Nerdlings somewhere in their backfield, so you're getting recon or behind enemy lines or what have you, and your opponent is like, oh, I'll move my squad of five space marines over to deal with those guys, and they shoot five space marines into them, and they kill not even one base of Nerdlings. And suddenly yeah. they're like, oh, I need to start moving other stuff over here, but they don't have any units that can shoot you this turn, so now you gain that point anyways, even though they dedicated a unit to killing you, so they completely wasted that unit's turn, and then next turn, they're like, okay, I have to be sure, so we will move four more units over there and kill it, but all those units had moved the other direction last turn, so they've wasted two turns of movement also. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a massive swing in tempo because... Your opponent just didn't understand what they needed to deal with. Um, Yeah. Yep. They're moving and shooting poorly. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. A unit of five Blood Angel Scouts will not kill a unit of Nerglings, by the way.
2: Absolutely not. This is why I bring up efficiency, is to make best use of all of your actions, especially in the shooting phase, but also in other phases. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to know what your units can do. Yeah. And if you're misunderstanding what that is, if you think five Scouts can kill five Nerglings then you're going to use your turn poorly, and you're effectively going to be wasting a big chunk of your turn. Mm
4: -hmm. Um,
2: Knowing how to distribute your firepower, and and what the probabilities are, and having a backup plan is also going to, even though, again, it is not directly tempo, it plays into the effects of tempo on the game, Mm -hmm. um, as it forces you to use more time, more action, more resources than you otherwise would have.
0: Yes, uh, it turns out destroying enemy units does gain you some tempo because they have less actions they can physically take because they have less units to take actions with. Yes, and shootings were most of the damage is done in this modern 40k. Uh, for some moderns,
2: across for the,
0: the modern. board asterisks, asterisks. Broadly
2: speaking, 40k is a game of shooting. There you go. So we have brought up stratagems a whole lot as part of this discussion. Uh, and I think it's worth calling out stratagems in particular, because while there are lots of ways to gain tempo that are not stratagems, uh, there's plenty of unit abilities, army abilities, movement mm-hmm. tricks, etc. Um, stratagems are one of the easiest and most obvious ways to gain
0: I've started playing other factions, so I recently picked up the Tau Codex, and as per my own advice I gave at the end of the last tempo episode, I went through the Tau Codex looking for tempo manipulation. Yep. And the first place I looked was the stratagems, because that is the most obvious place to find it. Absolutely. A non-negligible amount of stratagems in the game are literally just tempo manipulators. Across all armies, this has been true.
2: Yep, all those double shoot and double fight stratagems are literally just, that is, pay three points to gain some tempo.
0: Or pull your unit back up to full capacity actually yep. gains you tempo. That's an example. Mm-hmm. And, and then there are abilities like the Montka and Calyun, which are huge tempo manipulators for tau.
2: Yes, I would say especially the Montka, the ability to advance and shoot normally is a big tempo controller. Kalyun is more of an efficiency enhancer which as we already discussed in like the shooting section like that can enhance your tempo uh, in mm-hmm. a number of ways for sure.
0: Yeah uh, it, can gi- it can give you the more potential to get more tempo out of the situation.
2: But yeah, like as Shaylin mentioned, like that is a just reading through the stratagems. If you're not familiar with the book or if you're looking for tempo, is, is a really good way to sort of find examples of that sort of thing.
0: And um, then you look at the unit text where it's like, oh, there's a special ability on this thing. I wonder what that says. Yeah. There's pr- sometimes it's tempo manipulation. Sometimes it's something completely different.
2: Josh, do you have any examples of uh, stratagems that you feel are good tempo manipulation you'd like to talk about?
3: Oh yeah, I mean, other than the, the visualist ones that I kind of mentioned earlier, which are massive, there's actually a couple out there that I've, I've found that can be insanely uh, tipping, as I would call it. The couple big ones for me, well, obviously Vect. Um, there's, ironically, one that I don't think a lot of people would look to as a massive tempo manipulator, but it's probably one of the biggest ones, in my opinion, is the counter-defensive. Oh, yeah. The interrupt strat. Yes. Yeah. The... I'm going to spend two command points, and I'm going to interrupt and I'm going to swing with one of my units first.
2: I think most people, if you just say that, won't actually understand how that's tempo. Can you talk a
3: little bit about why that is actually a huge tempo swing? Yes, I will be more than happy.
4: Yay!
3: <laughs> and it's not just as the, the simple, uh, it's a tempo swing because I'm swinging with this unit first. No, no, there's, there's so much more nuance to that concept. Yeah. Prime example. Is you have a unit, a big unit that I just got charged with. So got charged by twenty gene stealers, and they're strung out, and they're going to try and they're going to try and close in, and they're going to try and wrap some of my units, and you know, make it nice and safe and pretty for them.
0: Be a problem child.
3: And so they also charged with the hive tyrant as an example, you know, and the hive tyrant's going to go kill this character, and they activate the hive tyrant first because the gene is really, there's nothing threatening them, so he doesn't really need to activate them first. Just going to get that hive tyrant out of the way and kill these characters. Great. Well, then I'm going to interrupt because one of the things he probably tagged was uh, one of my tanks, one of my vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to interrupt with that tank and that vehicle. Now, a lot of people are like, why would you interrupt with the tank? I'm hitting on sixes. I get three attacks. I'm not doing any damage. But that's not what I'm after. I'm going to take that tank and I'm going to pile in. And then I'm going to consolidate with that tank and get it up to six inches if I need it to make sure I base one or two of the models in that to a unit.
0: In just the right way
3: in just the right way so that those that unit now isn't going to be able to string out, isn't going to be able to pile in, isn't going to be able to wrap the way he wants because those one or two guys either in the middle of the unit or over here on the side, they can't move cuz I based them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just locked that unit down. So now I just took away that massive tempo he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: yes, you denied him the ability to move his models the way he wants. And in many cases, to move those models at all. Exactly. That yeah. is one of the things I use the interrupt strategy for more than anything else, and also heroic interventions.
3: Oh, especially with Tao. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I'm glad you called that one out because that is, I mean, all, the obvious use is I get to fight with my unit that would have died if I didn't fight with it first. Yeah. Um, exactly. There is a lot more you can do. The movement abilities in tempo are
3: often one of the most important.
0: Exactly.
3: One of my personal favorites I've actually done a couple times was to interrupt with a unit. Mm -hmm. It was a big tactic I would use against Smash Captains. Okay. So Smash Captains were very notorious for going after multiple units, right? That was a big thing that they would do.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: So I would interrupt with one of my units because a lot of times they'd go after multiple units with the intent of, I'm going to pound this unit and I'm going to pile in over there to that unit to get me deeper into their line.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: So I would interrupt with that unit, the one that they were going to pile in off of, I would just surround the Smash Captain with this unit because it allowed my unit to close the distance on that Smash Captain.
0: To keep it from deepening into your
3: line. Exactly. So now he doesn't get to go further into my line, which means he's going to kill my unit, which is exactly what he's going to do anyways. But now he's sitting there, flapping his wings, not able to move, and I'm going to gun him down on my turn.
0: Because he's not tagging that tank in the back either now.
3: Exactly.
2: There's a lot of ways you can deny your opponent stuff like that. And in fact, I think that is the subject that we need to get on next, because tempo is more than
3: just what you gain, it's also what your opponent loses. Mind if we hit the quartermaster real quick? I gotta, I'm, I'm kind of peckish. A little peckish.
0: I, I think she's screaming at us again.
2: Yeah, we should probably go before we get double there. It's. I'm good with this. So, we'll catch you all on the flip side of the episode, and we'll be right
4: back.
1: there, wargamers. Are you looking to do conversion of your dreams, but just can't find the right bits, probably because they don't exist? Gammon with a top hat? Magnus with a pimp cane? Mortarian playing chess? Well, those dreams can become reality with Vritaforge, a design and 3D printing studio that can make the bits you've always wanted to happen, happen. Forge can be found through Facebook, that's V-R-E-D-A-F-O-R-G-E, like Forge Worlds. Contact her, and she can design custom bits, parts, in any number you desire, from one to a million. Forge, make all of your Wargaming Bits dreams come true. Hey there, Wargamers. We've all got a closet full of shame, models we intended to build but never really will, Why not turn those models into the models of your dreams? Stuff you've been looking to get for your current army, the things you've been wanting to start a new army of. Visit mindtaker.org with MindTaker Miniatures, where you can sell your old models and buy new ones, both at great prices. And check them out up in Everett at the Xfinity Games Arena OOP Game Sale this March 30th.
2: Mildly punished, I would say. No worse than usual.
0: I got let off early.
2: Speak for yourself. And I am speaking for myself because I don't care about you. Haha, <laughs> now I'm the evil host. It's
3: because I'm evil, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. So, as we alluded to just before the break, there is another really important kind of way to enhance your tempo, and that is by denying the enemy either actions or other things that can help them with their tempo.
0: Uh, my personal favorite, because I love harping on this, is terrain. Terrain is huge. We, I will cite an example of a game Sean and I just played, is I had the decision to make top or bottom of turn, Sean had played super conservatively, and the tower Army had nowhere to shoot. Yes. What does the tower Army do? The tower Army takes the bottom of the turn to not lose tempo.
2: Yeah. And I would say that is a perfect example of the first type of denying the enemy tempo, which is literally denying them actions.
0: Exactly. Um, I
2: had placed all my models behind terrain such that Shaylin had nothing to shoot at.
0: Or physically out of range.
2: Or out of range, because those basically work out the same way in most cases. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the, sort of the decision point to that is, if I take a first turn, I don't get a shooting phase. That's tempo right there.
0: Tao cannot afford to lose your shooting phase, by the way. (laughs)
4: Yes,
2: it's extra big for Tao. Uh, They don't care how many assault phases you deny them, but if they lose a shooting phase, they are in trouble. But that, that sort of outright denial of a phase is absolutely important. It's one of the reasons that move blocking, and as Josh sort of alluded to earlier, uh, preventing pile-ins and stuff like that can be very, very big. Mm-hmm. Because denying your enemy the ability to move and thus control when and how the, the battle happens is tremendous. Uh, they're losing a portion of their turn we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You only have six movement phases in a game. If you lose one of them...
3: That's 17% of your game gone.
2: ...right there. And if you think about it, like, we talked about in our, our, our previous Tempo episode, like, I don't care about those Terminators that are all the way across the table, why they can't get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why that is such a huge change in tempo there, is just those Terminators only have three turns to get to me, And space is a kind of time.
0: Yes, exactly. And this is why we talked about speed units being really good for closing gaps and just maneuvering, because they can eat up more of the board more quickly. Yes. Um, Uh, turns out if you move 12 inches instead of 6, it takes you half the time to get to where you need to go.
2: Exactly. And and it may be that 12-inch movement means you get the turn 1 charge, which means now you have a bonus assault phase that no one else gets.
0: Exactly. And also, by that token, like, even the simple three inches the Sisters Act gives them, that's three inches. They basically got to advance for free.
2: Right. Pertaining more to our, our subject directly at hand, if you deny the enemy that movement, or deny the enemy those opportunities, they're losing portions of their turn. If if you do, like I know I've seen Josh and some, a lot of other players' for do, and just Wall the enemy in on turn one, completely block off their deployment zone so that they don't get to move out of it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: They're losing turn one, but they're probably losing turn two also
4: in mm-hmm. terms of movement. You may have just won the game right there because that means
2: they have at best four turns to get onto all the objectives. Yeah. Even if they basically table you, that's probably not enough.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: There's some other ways, like Josh's Demon's List totally worked on the mechanic of you get to shoot Plague Bearers right now.
4: Yeah. yeah,
0: And that's not very fun for anybody.
2: Yeah, uh, I want to actually move on to that in just a second. Um, I want, the other one I wanted to call out here uh, before we, we move on to the second type of tempo denial is uh, Shaylen just talked about terrain.
0: Oh yeah, can't shoot what you can't see. Most exactly. cases, asterisks. Denying
2: your enemy the ability to take actions through use of terrain Uh, because they lack line of sight, because they can't move through the terrain get to the objectives. Mm -hmm. uh, That sort of thing is huge, and that is why choosing the location of the battle is so big.
0: Yeah, um, I was using some impassable terrain to my complete advantage at LVO because it basically kept Knight Galleant out of my line for two turns.
2: By the same token, range can be a counter to that sort of thing, and (laughs) the ability to ignore line of sight as well. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can bypass these limitations, then you can often... You are gaining the ability to ignore tempo gains by your opponent. Yes. That you, even if your opponent does maneuver and, aha, I have placed my units inside this ruin by, you know, I have superior movement, so I'm taking advantage of my tempo and going inside the ruin where you can't get to me, and the Imperial Guard player just sort of shrugs and says, well, I don't care about line of sight. Yeah. Um, they have shut down one of the, the opponent's attempts to gain tempo there. Yes. But back to what Shaylin was just sort of alluding to, uh, which is what I would say is the second type of tempo, denying your opponent the ability to make the choices they want. Mm-hmm. You want to elaborate a little bit on there since I kind of cut
4: in on you?
0: Yeah, sure. As we point out in the target priority episode, and also in the previous tempo episode, combining these two concepts together is if you basically only offer your opponent a handful of targets... hmm then they have to choose between them. And if you make those targets suboptimal, either for their gun set mm-hmm. or just like, you know, Castellan into a wad of orcs is the dumbest thing ever well,
2: to watch. That this always turned there. Right.
0: And that gains you a huge amount of tempo. Yeah. And that can either be done via matchup, that can be done via just like, well, all you
2: can see is blank. Yep. More of the character protection rule is-
0: Character protection rule, or that uh, Nurgle strategy, I don't remember which Nurgle faction it's from.
2: Cloud of Flies. Super
0: good. Uh, There are a few of those.
2: Yeah. Denying your opponent the ability to make the choices they want to. Uh, We also talked about this in our Sacrificial Units episode. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can use one unit to prevent your opponent from getting to do what they want, that's very Uh,
0: big. Here's another big form is just the blocking units. Like, that gallant Guess yep. what it gets to charge? It has to charge a unit Blood Angel Scouts. It yes. does not get to charge anything important back there.
2: Yep, it is still getting to charge, so it's not losing its its charge phase, but it kind of is still losing its charge phase because your opponent didn't need to get rid of five Blood Angel Scouts. Your opponent needed to get rid of four
3: characters. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: So the idea of speed bump units and careful sacrifice can also force that because it's like, oh, I have to kill their sacrificial unit as opposed to the important thing in the back. Drones, for example, people have to shoot the drones before they can shoot the broadsides or riptides.
3: Yep, and and again, you are forcing the choice of when and where the engagement takes place.
2: Yep, you're pushing that back. Is especially right there. You're saying the engagement cannot happen this turn do not have the option to make the engagement this turn. It's not up to you. You're not allowed to make that choice.
0: Exactly. Um, And then there's also the opportunities, like, for example, abilities like the Angel's Wing Relic that just overrides anyone's ability to overwatch you, or the Vexator Mask. It's just like, nah, doesn't matter if you're Tau or whatever. You can't hit me right
4: now.
2: Yes. Uh, I would say that is the third major category, which is not denying your opponent actual tempo that they have, because, you know, they're still getting their turn, but they're denying the opportunity to gain tempo. Yes. Um, Josh talked about that a little bit earlier. If you back your opponent's stratagem that lets them shoot twice, you haven't gained any tempo, because uh, you haven't gained anything. You've lost four command points. Yes. Um, but your opponent has lost the opportunity to gain tempo. Yes. Um, you're looking at two levels removed, but if it's a big enough tempo, swing, so two levels removed it can still be really huge.
0: That's why uh, effect is still arguably the strongest stratagem in the game.
2: incredibly powerful. It's yes, so good. There are levels of tempo gain and loss. Um, yes. Very rarely do you actually see, like, you know, no one takes two full turns, but you do tend to see small incremental gains and losses, and that's where tempo usually happens and where it's
3: usually important. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's not a massive swing. It doesn't just, oh, good, I just got all the tempo. I'm winning now. It doesn't work like that. No, No. it is always by little bits and pieces
2: over the course of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is why you actually see very good players, they don't tend to make decisions that are drastically different from what most other people are doing. You know, you're, you're Nick Nonavati, you're Alex Harrison, you're Brandon Grants their decisions are honestly not all that different from the decisions that most people make in the majority of their games.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, The
2: difference between Brandon Grant and, you know, your your random middle table guy is that Brandon Grant gains 1% here, 2% there, 1% here, 5% here, over mm-hmm. the course of a whole game. And none of those things are big on their own, but they nickel and dime away, and suddenly you're like, oh, wait, Brandon has four more units in play than I would have at this point.
4: Yes. How's
2: he doing that? He's gaining those teensy little slivers of tempo bit by bit by bit by moving the units just the right way, by shooting just a little more efficient than you did, by seeing that one little, like, oh, if if I'm over here, I actually can do this when I could not have otherwise. It's those little tiny things where he gains those little pieces of tempo that build and build and build, Until by turn four, you know, he's got such an advantage compared to where someone else would have been that the game is his.
0: Yeah, that is exactly it. And the thing to remember with tempo and observing it in a game is basically stepping back at the beginning of your turn and going, what opportunities do I have that are unique this turn? What opportunities would I normally take? What opportunities have been stolen from me?
2: Sure, yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about, I think, the other thing that I I really want to hit here. We've talked about tempo this whole episode, obviously. It shouldn't come as surprise anyone. We like um, tempo here. Happy feet. We do. It's really important. But what I want to talk about is things that aren't tempo.
4: Ah, yes. Yeah.
2: tempo is super important in the game. It is a fundamental core concept, but not everything is tempo. I kind of want to make some differentiations. Let's talk about some stuff like... Shaylin uh, mentioned earlier the Montca, you know, Mm -hmm. that lets you move in advance. That can absolutely be tempo, but a power that, say, gives you plus one to hits, Mm -hmm. that's obviously a really good power. Um, I don't think there are many armies in the game that would turn that down, Mm -hmm. even at like 2 CP. but it's not tempo.
3: No. No. No, it's not.
2: Yeah, it's making your army more efficient, it's making your army better, but it's not tempo. Do you guys have some other examples that you would like to call out of, like, ways to differentiate something that is tempo from something that is not?
0: Deep Striking, because I abuse that on a regular basis. Sure. Deep Striking isn't tempo per se, but it can gain you tempo in some ways because your stuff's not getting shot at. So you've got it later. It does let units that, like, move six inches close bigger gaps than standard. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it gains you speed, but it's not exactly tempo.
3: Sure. Gosh? Do you mind if I, I touch on that, Shay?
0: Sure. Go ahead.
3: This does actually go... It's kind of goes hand-in-hand. It's exactly kind of what I mentioned earlier. Again, here's one of those situations, right? I have a unit. I have, let's say, three or four units in my army, and I am choosing to deep-strike all four of these units. My choice to deep-strike these four units, is that affecting tempo? Not myself. No. 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 No, it's not. Because... Turn two, I could be like, I'm going to drop this unit over here in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because I really don't have a better place to put it. It has done jack shit to tempo in this game. hmm But maybe I hold them till turn three, and I drop them on an objective. That winds up getting me recon, behind enemy lines, and racks up line breaker at the end of the game for my old school. Even though the unit really didn't actively do anything in the game. They did not engage. Mm-hmm. They didn't kill any units or whatever. They chose when to get those points at a vital spot. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That was tempo. Yes. All right. Inherently, deep strike on its own is not tempo. It it is not directly affecting tempo. Can you utilize that, like, to directly influence both either yours or your opponent's tempo in the game? Very much so.
0: I have dropped in my gray knights in places I would normally not, have not of to push an orc line back, so retributors can whack them. Mm-hmm. For an extra two turns.
2: And yeah, that ability to make a choice to control where things happen—if you use it right—can gain you tempo. But it is not by itself tempo. Like we said before, you very rarely see tempo in its purest form.
4: Yes. Just taking
2: extra actions and turns—that is so incredibly powerful. Which just doesn't happen in the game very much. For a reason. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. For reasons. It's. it's why Gennari need to get changed, it's why those stratagems are so expensive and so rare.
0: It's why Act of Faith got turned on its head.
2: Yes, but you can use it to gain tempo in certain situations and if you're using it properly. I'd actually like to uh, piggyback off Josh's example a little bit. Another mm-hmm. thing that's not tempo putting the unerring objective and gaining victory points. Your your unit of Sisters of Battle that sit into, sits in the back of the field and gains you a victory point every single turn, that's not tempo. Nope. nope. It is winning you the game, but it's not tempo. Tempo can be used to gain victory points. If, for example, you're able to move the unit onto an objective where your opponent can't get to it or stuff like that, victory points are not themselves tempo.
0: So back to that Sister's a battle unit, if I string it backwards so that he can't deep strike in my back corner, that becomes some tempo for me because I've denied him the opportunity to flank me in the back.
3: Yes. You are now affecting the answer of where. Yes. Yes. But the unit itself
2: is not strictly tempo. Nope. No, it is not. Tempo is situational. Mm -hmm. Um, It is entirely dependent on the battlefield situation and how you can influence it. Things that may be tempo in some situations may not be in others. Yep. In fact, I would go so far as to say that a knight that is dancing all over the heads of Blood Angel scouts, um, if they spend 2 CP to fight again with him, it's not tempo. No. No? Because he was going to kill those those scouts anyways. It doesn't do him anything for him. But on the other hand, if he spends 2 CP after those scouts have already died and uses that 6-inch move to pile in and touch another vehicle, tempo. Mm-hmm. It is entirely dependent on the situation and
3: what actually happens as a result. Mm -hmm. and it's always easy if you find yourself in a situation where you're wondering that question you know is this a tempo is am i affecting tempo with this decision or whatever just ask yourself that same question again is this affecting when or where the engagement is taking place if it's not well, it may not I'm not saying it's not going to help you win the game like Sean just said. Doesn't mean you're not scoring points, doesn't mean you're not doing something effective like blowing a unit off the table. Mm-hmm. But it may not be tempo. Yeah. And the more you can isolate that, the more you can pinpoint that and just look at the table and know it, the better of a player you are going to be. Yes. Yeah, that's what I think we really want you to take away from this episode. Not the tempo
2: is an all-encompassing concept that rules the game. It is mm. one of many, many factors in this game, because Warhammer is a really complicated game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Here's a little bit of advice when it comes to practicing it. Practice it in small, bite-sized chunks. I'm going yes. to work on my tempo this week.
2: And that's what we want you to be able to take away from our episodes. is our goal is to be able to break this incredibly complex game into bite-sized chunks that you can take apart and look at and say, oh, I lost that game because he gained 10 miles apart. Or, oh, he outscored me because he played the mission better. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh,
2: And that's why we're doing it the way we do it, because we want you to be able to break this game down into simpler pieces that you can digest. Yep. I'll tell you what, if you just watch a whole game of Warhammer 40k and someone walks over and says, now explain what happened, you won't be able to. But you might be able to say, he outmoved me, or Mm -hmm. he outscored me, or it was a bad matchup. And that's breaking the game down into smaller pieces. Yes. Yeah.
0: Or you get autistic babble to the face. That is the other option. Good
2: with that, too. Uh, hopefully you, you manage to do something a little more coherent. <laughs> that's the idea, at least.
3: My
0: boyfriend would argue otherwise.
3: Yeah, well, I'm not going to argue with you and your boyfriend. <laughs> well played, sir. Good use of tempo. All right?
0: right. <laughs> See, I gave him a bad opportunity.
3: Exactly. <laughs> See? See? He chose when. He chose when. <laughs> Answer being never. <laughs> well <laughs> yes.
2: If you have questions or comments about this, if you want help from us to kind of break situations down, or you, you may think maybe you have a really interesting idea for an episode you'd like to contribute to us, uh, we can be contacted through email, which is in the finest hour at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also have a Facebook group, also in the finest hour. Post there or send us a message, one of the three hosts will reply to you. We also have a Patreon if you like something a little more personal. For $5 a month, you can join up with our private Facebook group, where mm-hmm. we'll post lists and post memes and that sort of thing. As well as our ongoing discard chat, where we have a pretty fair-sized group of folks who get together and just sort of talk about 40K, talk about all the things that are coming out. Because... Here on the show, we don't really talk about, you know, like, the newest releases and stuff like that. That's not our gimmick. But obviously, we are all very interested in this, so if you want to get our opinions on that, maybe chat with people, get some help with your list, post your latest painting. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the the Discord, that's really the sort of thing we we hang out there and just have ourselves a good time.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We chatting all the time.
0: Yeah, no, I I broke down a game recently talking about the tempo manipulation in that game.
3: We have... Oh man, I, I think we have too
2: many new Patreons this week to even try listing them all, so my, my greatest apologies to all of you who have joined recently, we really do appreciate you. We love you all. You make a lot of stuff possible, we're looking at getting some equipment upgrades here in the near future, so that we can do some recordings while we're out at tournaments.
0: And- I, I'm i going to etch your names in in Grey Knight style to them, so the equipment can have your names on them.
2: Uh, we're going to run out of space quickly. But, yes, unfortunately, we've had so many people join in this past week that I don't feel we can reasonably call them all out, but we do really appreciate all of you. Thank you very much.
3: Truly do. Thank you all. Thank you. We'll
2: list you guys in the show notes. As far as upcoming events, uh, Josh, I believe you're hitting the Dallas Open here before too long.
3: Dallas Open. It's going to be huge. We are actually debuting a couple brand new products at the Dallas Open. I can't even mention it because it's so top secret, but when you see it, it is going to be off the charts. It's going to be awesome. Excellent. We'll definitely also
2: put up some links to some of that stuff so everyone can see what Josh is up to there. We've got a lot of stuff going in the background that we can't always talk about
0: we also have the Wet Coast GT, aka Major, in
2: Canada! Yes, uh, I'm going to be traveling up to Canada. Shaylin will unfortunately not be making up with me because of a work schedule. Work Uh, hates me. Lame. Uh, I'm going to be going up. I haven't decided what army I'm going to play yet, but we're going to see what this big spring FAQ has in store for all of us, because I think that'll change a lot of people's minds about a lot of things.
0: Also, we will try to do some hot take episodes.
2: Once we have the equipment, then that'll be more feasible to decide what we're doing there, but uh, we're, we're going to try and have some little mini-episodes when we go to some of the larger tournaments like this.
0: Oh, yeah. Do let us know if you want to hear anything specific in them.
2: Absolutely. And we also put up a, a Google Doc for all of our patrons so they can suggest episode ideas. Finally, I'd like to thank Dank Muse for providing the music for this episode. Yes. He has some pretty rockin' tunes, and I'd suggest you check him out on YouTube as well as Spotify and other places.
4: Baller! Yes!
0: I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow, our amazing artist, and just general amazing person.
3: And I would actually like to give a awesome shout out to Mindtaker Miniatures. It's a really great company doing a lot of work with used mini- used miniatures minis. Uh, obviously, they specialize in Warhammer stuff, but they do other stuff as well. Best thing to look for is uh, MindtakerMiniatures dot Head on over there if you uh, happen to be getting rid of some stuff. They, from what I understand, do some buying. But even more so if you're looking at picking up some new stuff, you're wanting to pick up a new army, before you jump straight onto the brand new inbox retail, go check them out. See what kind of deals they got. I hear their prices are pretty insane. Oh, yeah. Sean, you got a list. I want to hear it.
0: It's Sean's turn. It's Sean's
2: turn. I have a a list that actually comes out of of the land down under. Ooh. Uh, Something that caught my eye uh, a number of weeks back, and I've been thinking on a lot. It's it's an unconventional sort of tile list does not have the usual pieces that most people are expecting.
0: Does it have adorable battlesuits in it?
2: As a matter of fact, it does not. What? What? Yes. <laughs> this Tau list comp- consists of a pair of Tau Sep battalions, mm-hmm. as well as a Saucia Sep Vanguard. The Saucia Vanguard is the most standard part of things. You have your Ethereal for leadership buffs, and then three Fireside Marksmen for your marker Nothing particularly surprising there. The double battalions are the weird part. So, between the two battalions, you have a pair of Codra Fireblades, mm-hmm. Shadow Sun, who is the only battlesuit in the list, and barely even counts because she's infantry, mm-hmm. um, and Dark Strider, because that guy is rad. Yeah. And then you have five nine-man strike squads. Okay. Four ten-man strike squads. Oh. And nine devil
3: fish. Holy shit. Someone brought back the Fish of Fury. Yes.
2: For those of you who are not aware, that list puts out in the neighborhood of 250 strengths, 5 shots at short range. It's unlikely you'd ever actually get that many, because you'd probably kill whatever was in range of your rapid fire long before that could happen.
3: Wall-O-Dice. That's actually a pretty cool list. I would love to see that play.
2: Uh, I am working on some similar concepts myself, so you may see something like that uh, popping out at a later point.
0: Or you may uh, see Shay running it as a joke.
2: <laughs> I do not have enough Devilfish fish and fire warriors for you to run that list.
0: Oh, what are you talking about? I'm putting in base and fixing the problem.
2: Okay. <laughs> so, next week we have a very important episode coming up on netlisting. Uh, we'll yep. talk a little bit about when you should and when you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you all for listening. This has been In the Mind's Hour. I've
3: been Sean. I've been Shaylin. And Death. Thanks for listening.